Okay, so we're starting um, kind of our Christmas series today, and I have been so excited about this, mainly because I'm so excited about Christmas. And, um, and we, 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 we took poll last week of those of you who are wait till Thanksgiving to start playing Christmas music, and uh, I would say at least half of you were that, and then a good number of you were on the good guys team and could play it in July if the mood strikes you, and I'm on that team as well. So um, we are in full swing at our house because we are um, doing zoo lights, and we're watching Christmas movies, and we decorated our tree yesterday finally, and it looks like a Charlie Brown tree, but it works. <laughs> our kids don't know any better. They don't know that it gets better than that, <laughs> and, and so um, we're, we're just doing all that kind of fun stuff, and so it's exciting. Um, I don't know about you, though, as I think about Christmas. I, I'm kind of intrigued by how Christmas went from you're looking forward to it, you know, like what's the earliest as a kid that you look forward to? I mean, honestly, like every day thought about it. I mean, are we at like October? What do you say? Is that three months? You're saying July. That's crazy. Yeah. 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 See, I for me... When I was a kid, I remember every day thinking about it. I remember when the Christmas tree was out, waking up, and I don't do anything until I go check the tree for presents. And, and everyone I know has probably different styles and, and all that kind of stuff. My parents would kind of little by little put presents out. Um, last year, we waited until like the 23rd, and we put them all out. And so, like again, our kids don't know any better. But um, I don't know. I, there was so much anticipation for me. And then as I grew older... And as we grow older, I think maybe, if you're the same as me, um, that anticipation kind of wanes because you're busy, because you're working, because you're planning, because you're trying to figure out which family you're going to go visit, and you're trying to figure out how to mash all of this in. And, and if you're, you know, like most people on Christmas in December, um, you've got all these parties, and you've got all these things to go to, and, and it just seems like December ends up a blur sometimes. And I, I, th- I, I get to Christmas morning, and I'm kind of like, I used to look forward to this. I, I'm, I'm, I love it. I, I, I love it. Don't get me wrong. But I used to sit there and think about it. But I don't have time to think about it, maybe. And I don't know if you're like me, but I find myself getting there and be like, wow, I used to think about this for like three months, and now it's just here and gone. It's crazy. And I think about what it's like as an adult to go from kind of the focus from getting presents to giving presents. And obviously, we, we, we make that that transition from, yeah, it's good to receive and all that kind of stuff, but we, we do some giving. If you have kids, you know what it's like to see your kids' faces light up when they open presents on Christmas morning. It's the best. It's the absolute best. And, um, and there's this transition that happens. But for me, sometimes I get caught up in everything. And so what I want this series to be for us is kind of a, a pause button. And I want it to be a pause button so that we can sit here and just Think about what really happened, because as I, as I think about all the kind of common Christian cliches around Christmas, and one of them being that he's the reason for the season and things like that, I, I, I often wonder if I sometimes breeze through the Christmas season, not without thinking about Jesus, but even the reason for the season, that, that cliche statement is so kind of maybe overused that we just gloss over the fact that like what the actual reason, like the reason for the season is not just that Jesus was born, right? Like, the Christmas story started long before 
Luke chapter 2, when we have Linus, who's not in the Bible, <laughs> give us this discourse on how Christmas got started. It's my favorite scene of all Christmas movies, by the way. Linus on stage um, with a blanket telling the Christmas story. But the, the Christmas story started long before Luke 2. There's a, in fact, I mean, if you were just to look at my Bible, there's this thin kind of like what's left of the New Testament here and all of this in the New Testament that the pre-side of this story, the, the B.C., I mean, it's literally B.C., like everything before here, is so important moving into the Christmas season. Why? And think about it. Adam and Eve are in a garden. They're in perfect community and relationship with God, and then they decide to go their own way, and the relationship between God and humanity fractures in that moment, and that transitions into all of us being fractured in our relationship with God. And, and from that point forward, God has been trying through different means and different methods to, to get us to turn back to him, to choose him, to love him. So you've got Abraham and his sons, Isaac, Jacob, and then Joseph. And you've got Moses in Exodus, right? And letting the, the, going to get the people out of slavery, out of Egypt. And you've got Joshua leading the people of Israel into the promised land, all the prophets all throughout, and all the kings, and everything that happened in the Old Testament was all leading up to just this one moment. That's why it's so important, because these people, for this whole time, were essentially waiting for God to come through on his promise. And when he did, no one was paying attention. Isn't that crazy? I have, I have this packet here, and, and I'm sure different scholars would disagree, but let's just call this the authoritative packet um, of prophecies. There are 353 prophecies fulfilled in Jesus Christ, 353. And if I were to do the math for you on what it would take for someone, just one person, to fulfill 353 prophecies, um, it, would be, it would be out of your comprehension to to mathematically compute what it would take. Like, what is it, like a one in a million chance? It's not a one in a million chance. It's a one in like one million times one million times one million. You know, like, like Jesus fulfilled all these miraculously, and God was showing us something. If you want to take a look at this later, you can. But all the way starting back in Genesis, all the way, there's a ton in Psalms talking about it. Um, obviously, Isaiah 7, 14 talked about God with us coming. All of this was before Jesus was ever born and spoke something specific about him, where he would be born, to be born of a virgin, that he would be the ruler. In fact, in Isaiah, you see that he would be lowly, that we would not regard him as highly or as handsome, that we would overlook him. And so maybe it's not a surprise to some of us that, that when God incarnate, right, he came in the middle of everyone's mess, everyone overlooked him except for a couple people, a couple wise men. Uh, a king reacted pretty negatively to hearing the news that the Son of God was being born. Um, but even as he lived, think about this. We have, we have 33 years of Jesus here on earth. And as he lived, so many people looked right past him. Why? Why? Because he wasn't flashy. He, he, he wasn't born with a crown on his head, right? He wasn't walking around like a superhero with a cape on. He was humble, and he was lowly, and he was loving, and he was compassionate. 
And so the good news for us, the good news of Christmas is that, yes, he was born, but, but more than that, like he, he was born for us. He came down here for us. And so it's interesting to me, um, it's, I think it's, it's everything to me to, to hit the pause button and to just kind of remember why all of this matters. So we're going to be in chapter 1 of the book of Luke. And if you don't have a Bible, no big deal. We'll have the verses on the screen. Um, we're going to look at uh, this week. And by the way, this series, is lit- there's, no, there's no creative hitch. There's no um, gimmick. We're just going to walk through the Christmas story. Um, they're, they're, we're going to skip over a couple verses here and there. We're going to hit some highlights because um, we're going to spend three weeks on the Christmas story. And this week we're going to talk about the... Um, the birth of John the Baptist being foretold and the birth of Jesus being foretold. Um, two families, right? And they're, and they're related, family, okay? So you've got these two women, <coughs> excuse me, who are going to be pregnant, and both of them, this is a miracle to become pregnant. So Luke chapter 1, verse 8, and we'll read about Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now while he was serving as priest before God... When his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And a whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Okay, so very important time here. Verse 11. There appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled. Remember that, troubled, because... Uh, the other family was going to be troubled as well. Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. The angel said, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. So this is kind of the beginning of the Christmas story. John the Baptist, who will be Jesus' cousin essentially, um, is going to be born. And um, interestingly enough, if you're not familiar with the Christmas story, you might be tempted to think that this is about Jesus, but no, this is about his cousin John, John the Baptist, who would go and prepare the way for Jesus when, they, when, they're, um, when they're all grown up. Um, Zachariah, interestingly enough, this is not going to be on the screen, but you can go look at it later. It's interesting. His wife is barren. She can't have kids. She cannot have kids at all. And so he looks at the angel um, who he is afraid of, and it makes me it makes me so curious what an angel looks like that every time someone comes upon an angel in the Bible, fear um, comes upon them. They're troubled. Um, they're troubled in their spirit. And, and the angel typically says, do not be afraid. Um, so Zechariah has a moment of, of a lack of faith and says, how can this happen? My wife is barren. And, and the angel says, the Lord will come upon her. You know, don't worry. Like, he's making it happen. Um, by the way, since you're not trusting me and you're not trusting God, I'm going to make you silent. You're not going to be able to speak until this baby's born. And sure enough, you see that the moment he's born, he gets his voice back. And so I don't know about all of you women who have had babies before, but I can't imagine that having your husband not be able to talk uh, for that period is not maybe a, a little bit of a gift. You know, like sometimes we just shouldn't talk. And so God took that ability away from him, so good for him. Um, and so he, um, he's not able to talk, and you see later on that, that, that he's born, and, and so he literally has to communicate by writing notes and, and showing people, and, and so, so this happens. If you fast forward to verse 16, <coughs> excuse me, um, talking about his, his forthcoming son, he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. 
And he will go before him in the spirit of the power of Elijah and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. Why? To make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Essentially, he is the red carpet for Jesus. And if you know about John the Baptist, when he would grow up, he's the smelliest, nastiest, weirdest red carpet you've ever seen in your entire life because he ate bugs and wore camel hair. It's just weird. He would come out from the woods and just shout, repent, repent. And we, we tend to put those people in psych wards and, and God, God chooses to use that type of person as someone who would prepare the way of the Lord. Again, someone who's not with a, doesn't have a royal name tag, doesn't have a, an official title, um, but God chose to use this family. Could you imagine if you're Zachariah and Elizabeth to have God use your kids in such a way? Could you imagine what, it would, what you would think in that moment if your, your kids, because all of a sudden prophecies are coming alive in their minds. He's a priest. He's got the Old Testament in his head. He is remembering, oh, you said you were going to do this. You're right. Oh, oh, my my son, my son. It gets even better. So the next, the next story we have, Joseph and Mary, a little bit more popular of a story. Luke 1, uh, verse 28, just a couple verses ahead. So then he goes to Mary, uh, the angel. says, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying. He tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. His father's Joseph, right? Well, not really, but his... His, um, his ancestor, David, he's all of these, there's a line coming from Abraham to David and on into Jesus. Um, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Verse 34, Mary says to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth is in her old age, has also uh, conceived a son. And this is the sixth month which, uh, with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. How interesting. For nothing will be impossible with God. There's these two families. You've got Zechariah and Elizabeth and, and Joseph and Mary. And, and they both have a little bit of a moment of troubling and a, a moment of doubt. How can this be because I'm only a virgin, and, and he goes a little easier on Mary than it goes on Zechariah. Um, but the, the, the concept here is the same. And this is where I want to land today. This is just, I think it's so important for us to, to zero in on the fact that God entered history because I had said uh, earlier that, that Adam and Eve on into Abraham, on into the prophets, and all of that, but after the prophets were done speaking, um, and if you were to literally take your Bible and divide it up between the Old Testament and the New Testament, um, between the Old Testament and the New Testament was literally 400 years where God did not say a word. 
God was not speaking. It's called the 400 silent years. Um, if you were to look at a chronological Bible, you would see that these are not necessarily in order, but Malachi was one of the last books written in the Old Testament. Nehemiah is said to be one of the last books written in the Old Testament. Whatever the case is, right there at 400 B.C., uh, around that time, God stops speaking. And for 400 years, think about that. Think that that's like a couple generations of, of family members that never got to experience the realness of God's voice in their life. I mean, all through the Old Testament, they've had prophets, they've had kings, they've had priests to, to be able to um, offer sacrifices or speak on God's behalf. But, but for whatever reason, God chose to stop speaking right before he would send his son to enter history. And out of this silence... An angel comes and visits two families, speaking about two babies that would be born, and, and maybe the most unlikely way for God to make himself known on earth was to become a baby who would essentially grow up to be a homeless man that would preach um, uh, kingdom repentance and salvation, um, that Jesus is coming, that he's going to be everything that we need. Um, if you read through the Gospels, you'll, you'll learn all about what, why this was such a momentous occasion. Obviously, on Easter, we celebrate that, that he died and rose again for our sins. Um, all of that means so much to us, but let us not go through the Christmas season forgetting the gift that Jesus is to us. The gift. Because think about this. I mean, in the middle of some pretty terrible times, imagine your... Um, Zachariah and Elizabeth probably have had the pains of not being able to have a child, and now God is going to give them this gift, but not just a gift for them to enjoy, but a gift for, for God's purposes. I think it's important that we remember that in everything, what we're given is not just to terminate on ourselves or for us just to use it on us. Um, more, even more so, I am stewarding, or, or another word for that would be managing God's kids, not my kids. Um, I've got three boys back there in the kids' ministry, five-year-old, three-year-old, and a one-year-old, and they are not mine. They are God's children, and I am managing them, and God has entrusted me to them. I think about what it would look like for God to visit me or an angel to visit me and to give me a little peek or a little glimpse into what God wants to do with them. Um, I think about the car I drive. I think about the house I live in. I think that God has given me all of those things. Why? For me to enjoy? Partially, yes, but to steward for him. He's given us these gifts, and yes, they are for us to enjoy, but they're also for his use because John the Baptist and Jesus were not just good gifts to parents. They were good gifts to humanity. They were good gifts to people past and future. They were good gifts to people sitting in Chapman Elementary on December 6, 2015, when Mary and Joseph had no clue that we would be sitting here talking about their kids. Isn't that nuts? You know, how important were these children? And how important was it that they would take seriously the call um, to, to put these babies in God's hands? not just our own, not just our own. I think about Mary and Joseph, and I think about the scandal 
I mean, just put this in practical terms. Mary is a, is, is a virgin, right? She's a virgin. And she is a virgin, but when she's pregnant, does anyone think she's a virgin? No, everyone thinks she's a liar. Everyone thinks that she's running around on Joseph. You know who knows that she, she, that she didn't have sex with Joseph? Joseph. Joseph knows that. And I'm sure he's struggling in, this, in these moments. If you read the account in Matthew, I would, I would suggest that you would go read in Matthew chapters 1 and 2 the story of Christmas as well because you get kind of the fuller picture of what's going on. But there is a moment where Joseph is struggling with this decision and the angel has to go to him too and say, it's, it's good. God is doing this. There was a lot of trust in that moment, trusting that God was doing what he said he was doing in the face of an entire community that probably cast them out. Isn't that nuts? Think about that. God chooses to, to bring the salvation of the world into the world through you. And, and you can't necessarily enjoy it, right? There's no baby showers. There's no cards there's no fun, there's no, there's no pats on the back because everyone thinks it's, it's this ugly thing that she did and she didn't do it. But she trusted the Lord. Why? For nothing will be impossible with God. Wherever you are today in, in your life, um, I, I have the privilege of getting to talk to a lot of you about what you're going through and, and I have found that, that that this is going to be a great series and a great story for us to focus on because a lot of us are going through the ringer. A lot of us are going through tough times, all kinds of tough times represented in this room. Um, Whether it's health problems, relationship problems, job problems, school problems, whatever it is, there's all kinds of people. And there's people that are not here right now that that are a part of our community that, that are going through these same kinds of problems. I think it's important that we pray for each other, that we hold each other up, that we remind each other of the goodness that, that is Jesus coming. Because when we celebrate Christmas, this is more than just gifts and a tree, you know? It's more than that. And, and, and I understand that, that everyone comes from different backgrounds, and, and maybe, maybe for the first time some of us are realizing today that there's more to Christmas than just kind of the traditions. And listen, I love the traditions more than anyone in this room. I love them. I love them. I come from like a North Pole family. Like, like I feel like my parents are elves. Like I love the traditions of Christmas, but, but we can't skip over Jesus and what he means to us. I'll tell you what he means to me. When in, um, when in Isaiah, I'll just turn to that. I wasn't planning on going there today. Um, kind of getting ahead of myself, but I'm, I'm, I got to read it. When when Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah seven fourteen, therefore the Lord Himself will, will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And all of this, if it stays up in these kind of like Bible words and terms and theology, it doesn't impact us. But if it gets down into the, the gritty nature of our real problems, I mean, if you were to take what Emmanuel, God with us, up here from our head down into our, our souls, it means something. 
It means something to me. What it means to me is that when I wake up on Monday morning, when I, when I go through problems, when I'm at work, when I'm with friends, when I'm in the face of enemies, when I am in trouble, when I am struggling, when I'm depressed, God looks at me and says, I'm with you. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus coming down as a baby for us should tell a much greater story than just now you can bake Christmas cookies and put up a tree and put lights and ornaments on it. That's great. I love it. But understand this. In the midst of your struggles, God is right there for you. I mean, he's right there for you. He's near to the brokenhearted. He's near to the ones who are struggling. It says when he cries, he's not absent to that. He's not blind to that. He, he knows. And if we would just invite uh, him into our lives rather than running from him in different ways, I think that we would discover the beauty of Christmas. <clears throat> Isaiah 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born... To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. God's only son. Don't forget that. Don't forget what God was doing when he gave the best gift ever. He gave his son knowing what would happen 33 years later. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. There's a lot of bad things happening in our world. And I, I sometimes watch the news, and if you're like me, you don't know how to reconcile it. You know, why are these things happening? Why does it seem like our, our nation which should be more prosperous, should be more free, should be more loving, should be more, like, we are getting worse. It is, it is, when I watch the news, I'm not happy. I'm depressed when I watch the, the stuff that goes on in our world, you know? And, and, I, and I, I'm not here to give any kind of discourse on culture. Um, but I find myself struggling sometimes, um, because I, I, I try to muster up the courage to face this world. I, I muster up the courage to believe sometimes. And sometimes what God is saying is, I sent my son into that world. I know. I sent my only son into that world. Knowing he would be a sacrifice for you. Because it was worth it. And so God has given us a good gift Please, please, please. This is just my encouragement. I can't, I can't come to all of your houses and do a devotional every night. <laughs> Although I would love to. That sounds fun. I, we would just do a tour every day. Go to everyone's house and, all right, let's sit down. Who's got the hot cocoa? Uh, who's got the wassail, right? The wassail. Um, but but in, in, in this series, what I want us to focus on, and not just Sunday mornings, please, please don't make the mistake of just waiting till Sunday morning to crack open your Bible. Go home. I, I, I dare you. If you want readings, I will literally send them to you day by day. I'm serious. If you want, 
If, if anyone is in here and needs a, a plan or maybe, maybe a daily reading, John Piper wrote a book um, specifically for Advent this Christmas season, and there's just 25 daily readings, and you can read those, and they're literally like this long. You can read it in like 60 seconds. Give you something to think about. Um, if you want daily readings through the Christmas story, I'll send those to you. Um, I don't want us to go through this Christmas season and just miss it, you know? Um, I, don't want, I don't want our kids to miss it. I don't want our families to miss it. I don't want our church to miss it. So this is going to be a time for us to pause. And by the way, we need a pause. <laughs> like, this, is, this has been such a crazy world that we've been living in, launching a church. And it's such a weird world we've been living in, you know, trying to, to meet new people and, and reach out and help where we can help and serve where we can serve. Um, January through March is going to be kind of a fun series, lots of uh, fun season, I should say, lots of time to reach out and to serve and, and all those kinds of things. But let's not miss this moment to remember why we have a church, <laughs> you know, to remember why all this matters so much, why those presents matter on December 25th, right? If we see all of that through the lens, then doesn't that make us so much more thankful to walk through this season together? So we'll walk through this series for the next two weeks, and, um, and we're just going to, as a family, pause and remember. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for, thank you for your son. You have given us such a good gift in your son. I, I can't express with words um, how much we would be, we would be um, living pointless lives without you. God, thank you so much. Thank you that not only that did you give us purpose, but even right in that passage that we just read, it says that nothing shall be impossible with God. And, and I think about how crazy it must have been for Mary and Joseph and Zachariah and Elizabeth to, to really be faithful in those moments, um, to even equate the fact that there's going to be a baby born of you, a virgin, and he will be the Son of God, and nothing shall be impossible with God, to think to think that you would get to be a big part of that is such a humbling process, and, and we're a part of that as well. To be able to be a faith family right here in Dublin and in the Powell area, to, to be able to reach out to community, um, to families that are maybe hurting or struggling, to, to serve in ways that we can, Lord, we, we know that we're a part of that. Lord, thank you for everything that you do. And Lord, I, I do pray specifically for all of our families who are struggling um, a part of our faith community here. Uh, Lord, I, I pray that you would add a measure of, of grace and peace, um, just a spirit of calm, um, just to be able to sit and, and just have a moment to think about how much you love us and how much you're for us and how much you're with us, how much you haven't run out on us and how much you're committed to us. You, you sent your son. You are ultimately committed to us. Thank you so much for that. Lord, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.